driving it home. With Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello. And happy Monday. I just, as I sat down, I realized I haven't been uh, in studio since last Wednesday. So let's catch up a little bit. Uh, first of all, what a gloriously beautiful day today. Hope that you get a chance to enjoy some of it today or tomorrow because it snows on Wednesday. In case you didn't know, it's the snow's back. And I think Paul and I have to make chili again is what we do for when there's going to be snow. I'm just saying. It, uh, it's, it's stupidly gorgeous because it feels wrong. You walk outside and you're like, I went to work last week downtown and I saw people on a day that was like in the 50s, also very confused with uh, winter gear on, scarves and the furry collars. And I was just like, yeah, we don't, we don't know how to deal with this yet. We had such a wonderful evening in Kenosha. I want to thank everybody who made that happen, especially Jerry Walski, uh, our co-producer and collaborator here on uh, Driving at Home. And uh, just a great job of managing all the guests that we were going to talk to. We talked to folks that were running for Kenosha County Board, for the school boards. Really appreciated hearing so many of their stories um, about why they were running or their experience with being on those boards. And, of course, we were there to celebrate and fundraise for the first congressional candidate for the uh, for, for Wisconsin, for that uh, southern area of, of uh, Wisconsin, Lorenzo Santos. And it was uh, just a wonderful evening. He gave a great speech. All the speakers were wonderful. And of course, Dwayne Kennedy, thank you so much for joining us. And the first trans woman to serve on the city council in Madison, Wisconsin, Dina Nina Martinez. Um, she did a great job on stage. It was wonderful to interview her and learn about her career. And uh, also, of course, thank you to Frank, who uh, runs the Kenosha Comedy Club at the uh, Wyndham Harborside Hotel. And look forward to doing more shows there. And uh, of course, Adam Selzer was uh, filling in on Friday. And Michael Smith, I got a chance to hear some of the show. And uh, just really, the Eastland, they were talking about the Eastland tragedy. And I, um, it's, it is interesting. Like, we, we really don't, it, it's startling to think of the history there and uh, this catastrophic event that uh, killed hundreds of people. And uh, Adam, if you uh, didn't get a chance to hear the show on Friday, Adam is an author. He's a historian and a tour guide. And if you happen to have Netflix, uh, and actually he'll pop up on a lot of different shows like on Discovery and the History Channel. Currently, there is a series called How to Be a Mob Boss. It's a little tongue-in-cheek sort of history of uh, mob bosses. uh, And he, Adam Selzer, does Al Capone because his focus is, of course, on Chicago. And, uh, And then on Saturday... I went to Shelby, Michigan, and I had the opportunity to perform for a fundraiser uh, for a group called Fountain Hill. It's a mental health uh, facility, well, the mental health center, and they have uh, a lot of uh, therapists. They have uh, folks in the community. They are working with uh, kids placed in foster care. They are working very hard right now, uh, in particular, when it comes to the warning signs for someone who might injure themselves. Um, So I was uh, really honored to be a part of that. It's my second time performing for the Fountain Hill and uh, really just so much fun to be there. And I loved uh, I love that area. If you know, like Muskegon, Grand Haven, uh, Holland, Michigan. So I was driving through there. And if you are ever looking for a place to stay in uh, western Michigan, along Lake Michigan, I highly recommend stopping in Muskegon. There's a place called the Pidge Inn. 
It's very cute. It's really an amazing place to stay. Highly recommend. It's kind of like a, um, it looks like a, a boathouse. You know, sometimes you'll see restaurants in a harbor. Uh, this is, there's only nine units. They're all like condo units almost. Uh, but you have complete privacy. It's a contactless, there's no front desk. You make your reservation online. They give you a code for your door and the front door of the, of the building. Incredible spaces. And I got lucky enough to stay. It was just random. It was just a, just a, a moment of the universe said, here, this is where you should stay, Patty. I was in the Buster Keaton room because as a child, Buster Keaton was in Muskegon, Michigan for the artist's colony there. So I was like, oh, well, comedy there. That's kind of a nice little thing. I had a wonderful time. And I have to say, I was really surprised. One of the things about driving through Michigan, even though they've made so many uh, great uh, advancements when it comes to representing the people of their state, of course, and I and I mean that in the sense that I know there are people that don't agree on so many issues that Democrats uh, have, that we fight for. Uh, of course, we fight for bodily autonomy. That's one of those things that uh, gets pulled back and forth. But the, the the essence of what we fight for is for people's individual liberty and freedoms and the ability to live your life to the best of your abilities. And, uh, and part of that are labor rights. I think the biggest part for me is labor rights because that affects so many different parts of our lives. Our ability to live where we want and, and live the way that we want uh, is tied to uh, how much money we make, uh, our, our safety at work, and, um, and having nego- the ability to bargain and negotiate in our workplace because our health insurance is tied into that. Our retirement, you heard Jonas Pizzito talking to Megan Final, uh, Financials about how, um, you know, how to plan for how you want to live once you've stopped working at least in the uh, as the primary focus of your of your life and um, and Michigan uh, recently ceased being a right to work state making it a state that is invested in workers and laborers and our rights and uh, so I was expecting is that they've they've come a long way with that and with uh, with birth control and uh, and reproductive rights for women. Um, they've come a long way with uh, their maps, with how they're the structure of how things how decisions are made. And uh, I was still though. We know that there are folks that, as we saw during the pandemic, uh, when there was a plot to uh, kidnap Gretchen, uh, Governor Whitmer. Um, we know that there are, and then we know that there are militias in Michigan. There are, the growth of militias was uh, startle, startlingly uh, aggressive, especially uh, during Obama's presidency. And and again, we saw the manifestation of that uh, kind of energy on January 6th. So what I was really, one, nobody, not a single person talked to me about politics. I proudly have a, a, a flag, a Chicago flag purse. I had people make comments about how much they like the purse. Usually I'm, I'm, I'm always ready for someone to say something about Chicago. And I didn't get any grief about Chicago. I didn't see a single, not one, not a single Trump lawn sign no banners, and usually, I mean, you know, you guys, I, I've I've been to parts of the country where they're, they're, you know, you see the trucks with the massive flags. Remember when we were talking to our friend uh, Karina from Uprising Bakery and Cafe? She had a guy in her parking lot here in Illinois, near uh, it's like a you know Lake of the Hills or uh, up in that area, and um, sitting in her parking lot, driving away customers because he didn't like what her bakery stood for. I didn't see any sort of that uh, intimidation or even not even. On 
on, uh, usually you'll see them uh, maybe on the side of a barn or on trucks. Um, so, and, and none for Biden either because we're not in a cult. Uh, so I was just I was I was pleasantly surprised, and it was a, it was a wonderful evening. Now I was in the parking lot on Saturday before I went in to perform uh, for this great organization again, Fountain Hill Mental Health Services. And oh, there was a choir. It was a wonderful choir, a children's choir at, at the event too. God, they were so nervous, and I wanted to tell them, "You're like we want you to do well. You don't have to worry about us. We're here for you." And I want you to know, anytime you're in front of a crowd. Um, that's the truth. People want you to do well. Uh, look, there there are certainly uh, specific instances. Like if I was in a crowd when Trump was speaking, no, I don't, I, I want to see him flail around and, and sputter nonsense. And I'm I'm gonna get that pretty much anyway. But <laughs> but in um, these these kids were just they were so nervous and they sounded so beautiful. And uh, I you know I wish I could go back and tell 13 year old me that uh, it's not that big of a deal to stand up. They're gonna forget. Right. Even if something goes wrong, it's, uh, you know, at least you took the chance to uh, stand in the light. Uh, So they were they were wonderful. And before I got into the venue, I was in my car as uh, Trump was taking the stage on Saturday to claim victory. Uh, If any of you are watching this, they basically announced that, that Trump won as soon as the polls closed. I do think that it is worthy to note that he I think it was a little over 50 percent I don't know if there were write-ins or other I don't know what why it was 40 and 50 something 50 plus I could be wrong on the numbers but there's enough of a uh, demographic well just there are enough people who voted for Nikki Haley and it is it is a little sad when you can't win your own state but we saw that happen to Al Gore he also did not win his own state when he ran for president so that wasn't great uh, th- there are going to be folks that uh, you know you leave a bad taste with is all and uh, and anyway I think that 40% of Republicans that didn't vote for Trump and who on exit polling said that they will never vote for Trump and the fact that Joe Biden while you know folks are like ah oh, he should be out there debating and things like that it is he is the incumbent we we're right this is our guy we're ride or die with uh, with Biden at least i am and uh, i i just think that 96% out of uh, south carolina is great uh, i think that it it is uh, something for republicans to uh, take stock of when uh, trump cannot uh, and he, because he was out there saying it's the most votes, you didn't, you, you, you it, it's still not solid. I don't care if it's plus fifty, it, you're still losing people to the radical nature of how you are plotting out the future. We we see it happening in real time. We could tell people to go look up Project 2025 and what their plan is to dismantle the entire system of bureaucracy and only install people who are loyal to Trump. Uh, we can, you know, you can go, it's 180 pages uh, for the, I think the annotated version. It's like 900 pages fully. But in real time, decisions like what happened in Alabama, Republicans are scrambling and in the meantime, and we can, you know, we can comment and critique the reaction because there, there are a lot of wealthy folks who maybe were Trump supporters and were in the process of trying to start a family. And their best option was through IVF, 
in vitro fertilization. And there is, uh, this is an $8 billion industry. And there have to be some rich people that are angry that Alabama has decided that uh, that embryos are people and they do want to go the whole, I, I know that I sound uh, out there when I say th- when when they determine that this is murder, I mean, legally, right? So this was a wrongful death case. And the next step is that abortion is murder. And there is no statute of limitations for murder. And here's the thing. The, okay, so the people that sued, right, the, the two families that lost those vials of embryos because – and this is another crazy story altogether. Somebody just wandered into the wrong area of a facility, opened the the story, storage chamber, and took out these vials of embryos and destroyed them. Uh and at the time, that was there was no delineation. There was no establishing law that embryos were to be treated like people. But now those people can sue for wrongful death. So when I tell you that when they say it is murder and they're doing this in Missouri, they want to know any woman who has ever had an abortion so that they can bar her from ever having access to Medicare. And Medicaid. What? So what would prevent them from going through all of our records, determining any woman who has ever had an abortion and charging them with murder? There is no statute of limitations on murder. I don't care that abortion was legal. If they determine that it's murder, we have a whole this isn't even as like Handmaid's Tale wasn't written as frightening as this is. It's a whole different dystopia. Let's take a break here. Uh, We'll open up the phone lines. Uh, Coming up in a little bit, we've got Dr. Jason Bissell. And coming up at 6 o'clock, we are going to talk to a professor. Uh, We're going to talk to uh, this wonderful uh, (laughs) professor who apparently has done a lot of research on uh, basically... I don't know if I should call it like altered understanding of reality, but we're going to talk to Dr. Barry Maurer from uh, University of Central Florida, and he's done research about how Trump supporters suffer from induced delusional disorder. So um, we'll talk to him at six. And before we go to the break, I do want to remind folks, because I I know that I'm not great at promoting our – oh, the camera's not working? Well, we'll figure it out in a minute during the break. But we have a, a comedy show this this Thursday, Leap Into Laughter, because it is leap year, and uh, we're doing a show on the 29th. It's going to be me, Jerry Walski, and Mike Preston, and uh, that's going to be a sh- The show is at 7.30. It's at Microphone Brewing, and that's in Elk Grove, 121 Garlish Avenue. That's in Elk Grove, and uh, if you can go to Microphone Brewing, they have tickets available. It's only $15, and uh, we would love to see you there this Thursday, the 29th. Let's take a quick break here. Uh, We'll open up the phone lines and see what's on your mind. Uh, WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. friend marty he wants to split the party he wants blue folks and red states to vote green 
can see his point, though I really gotta say, no, we can't have another 2016. It seems nothing beats orange, nothing even freaking rhymes with it. What's a battered nation supposed to do? His royal orange highness, he does love to divide us. We gotta stick together and vote blue. When I recycle, I'm green, green as green can be. I do my level best, yes, it's true. But when I'm voting in November, I promise to remember it's us against him. Gotta vote blue. Don't think I'm a hater, I love Ralph Nader. I don't blame him for the mess in Y2K. With those who represent us, I'm playing the percentages, voting blue down the ticket all the way. When I recycle, I'm green, green as green can be. And I drive a freaking Prius, yes, it's true. And it's blue. But when I'm voting this election, the best eco-protection is to kick the orange out. Gotta vote blue. Throw all this crazy math at me But I'm tired of the whole world Having a good laugh at me <laughs> When I recycle I'm green, green as green can be And in the primary I voted for Party too, twice But we need some peace and harmony So I'm voting for our nominee And if you need to hold your nose Just do, that's cool I'll even hold your nose for you Just vote blue, vote blue Vote blue, vote blue Gotta vote blue. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Just uh, catching up with some of the texts that came in, and somebody mentioned that I said, uh, let's see, the. Uh, I think you meant to say Project 2025 plans to dismantle democracy. Yes, they do plan to dismantle uh, democracy. I said bureaucracy. Yes, because they also want to remove all of the stop gaps, all the people that are in place that have institutional knowledge, that uh, process every level of government, whether it's your Social Security, uh, veterans benefits, uh, everything to the State Department. They want to get rid of all of the bureaucrats who have, uh, unless they pledge... uh, loyalty to him. That's part of the plan, too. And somebody else texted in that uh, I think this might have been oh Carl earlier today during Jones. Show, I, sometimes I, I go farther back during the day. Uh, Carl from Kane Key says, here's the real threat. State Republicans convening a constitutional convention. Game over. Trump is only one of many evils out there on the national stage. And I agree with that. The Trojan horse that he, they used him as was to appoint all these judges at every level. And we're seeing the manifestation of that, uh, of course, most obviously with the Supreme Court and what they've done, uh, most notably with Roe v. Wade, and we are waiting so many other decisions, whether it's uh, full immunity for the president being able to do whatever he wants in office. And I really did like that conversation. I think it was Tom Hartman they were talking about. Well, if they decide that, then I would strongly encourage President Biden to just say, oh, he didn't win. Uh, look at that. Uh, let's go to uh, Brian and Joliet. Brian, what's on your mind, my friend? Oh, good afternoon, uh, 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 Patty. Uh, well, uh, the reason I'm uh, phoning is uh, <clears throat> I don't uh, know for uh, certain, uh, perhaps you know uh, more about this than I, uh, yet I've uh, heard a report that uh, said that uh, there exists a website named EpsteinJustice.com and this uh, fiend uh, kidnapped and sex trafficked. I don't know uh, how many, but even uh, children 
as uh, young as uh, 11 and 14 years old, and uh, <clears throat> further, uh, that uh, there could be hundreds like uh, him in the USA. Uh, do you think uh, <clears throat> uh, this uh, website is uh, something uh, that would uh, help save some innocent lives? Uh, uh, the report also stated that uh, W. Bush, Obama, Trump, and Biden all looked the other way from this type of uh, evil activity. They didn't want to get involved in it. I think that happens all the time. I mean, I, I don't have any information specifically, and, and uh, I. but however, I would not be surprised. I've seen firsthand what electeds, people that I admire and trusted, are willing to do all for the sake of uh, staying out of it, uh, keeping their hands clean, uh, not rocking the boat, and just ha- maintain the status quo. So I wouldn't put it outside of the realm of possibility. And I'm on the website right now, EpsteinJustice.com, and it is, uh, you know, they're, they're asking people to petition uh, they're electeds. They have uh, apparently they have protested in the past. I don't know how most, how recently this website has been updated, but I'm on the site right now, uh, and they provide a uh, pretty much a, a pre-written letter for you to send to your state representative or state senator or at the federal level. Well, uh, again, I, well, I thank you so much, Patty, for uh, checking on that, and uh, uh, hopefully. Uh, uh, the two of us uh, may uh, have uh, saved some innocent lives here. Everyone, you can go to ObsceneJustice.com. And there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of good organizations that are doing the work of working with uh, people who have survived sexual violence. Um, so I, I encourage folks who might need that, that sort of resource to seek it out. Thank you so much, Brian. Have a great day. You too, Patty. You take care. You Bye. Too. Thank you. Bye. And Jim in Chicago. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind, my friend? Macron uh, made an announcement today that he's not ruling out Western troops on the ground in Ukraine. I thought that was a kind of a stunning uh, thing from the president of France. But I think they're coming to the conclusion that if we don't get something going here quickly, these Republicans dragging yeah. their feet Watching over this funding in Ukraine. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Pity. Go ahead. No, no, no. Oh. Sorry, I had some audio in the background. Go ahead. No, I'm listening. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, I've, I have heard that they are, are running low on supplies, on ammunition, that they do need Republicans to get moving on putting that, fina- that financial package together for support and aid. Uh, yep. Have you heard that the, Mike Quigley uh, voted to have Mavaldi's name in front of the Russian embassy in Washington? He's going to call that Mavaldi Street. So that's got to be a poke in the eye of the Russians. And uh, just this idea that uh, the Republicans are playing so cozy with the Russians, that's what gets me uh, uh, disturbed. I, I don't understand why they're so cozy with the Russians. Uh, it is it is bizarre, beyond b- bizarre, that we really have people that are not just cozying, but basically licking their loafers. It's very strange. You know, we have Tucker, Tucker Carlson just singing the praises of Russia. And it's just mostly because he, he's happy to only be around white people. <laughs> he doesn't care how, how much the people in Russia are suffering. And then there were Republican senators that went to Russia secretly. And uh, yeah. I mean, playing with an absolute psychopathic murderer. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he he killed, he blew his uh, his uh, caterer up in the plane with eight people, and I, I remember anybody that's gone by the wayside. Nobody's even explained who was on the plane. I was blown to smithereens. And the Wagner how many group, right? Poisoned. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Wagner Group, well, what a group they were because they didn't have a chance. They didn't have a chance. Anyway, the point is, they're cozying up to Russia. It's just I, I have no idea where it came from. I mean, what political gain do they think are going to come from it? Uh, are they going to? Are the Russians going to uh, do the same thing they did in 2016 and uh, way into the swing states and uh, you know the the people that don't read. Uh, yeah. Believe all the nonsense that the bats put on the uh, yeah. internet. I don't know. I don't know. But I think that was a, a you know a, a great. It, it just showed you. And then Sweden went into the NATO today. Uh, should be in this week uh, over the uh, objections of uh, Hungary, but Hungary had to oblige him. Right. Because Europe's getting tired. They're, they don't want anything to do with Russia. I mean, they really don't want anything to do with Russia. That's all it's to it. And that's why he had Brexit. That's why the uh, Russians engineered that Brexit. Because they didn't want, they wanted England out of NATO. That was the, to their advantage. But we've got to come to our senses here. Anyway, Patty, thanks for taking my call. Thank, thank you. Patty. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great evening, Jim. I also, uh, I was looking through some of the texts. I do want to, uh, remind folks, I, I feel like I, I, I preach to the crowd sometimes, but you know this. I'm sure that you guys are registered to vote. I don't have to encourage you to do that, but I will encourage you to f- talk to folks, ask them if they're registered, find out what their plan is to vote. We have, of course, our primary coming up here in Illinois on March 20th. Um, have, if you want to get an early ballot, there's early voting has opened at the uh, like the primary uh, polling places. You know, they, they have several that are like the, the biggest polling places, uh, like the downtown Chicago, that you can go online and find out where your closest polling place is. So the, the, it is, they're open now. Polling places are open. Oh, Right now, I think they because it's early, they might only be open to five. You know what? I'll get some information on that for you. But make sure you're registered to vote, have a plan to vote, and talk to the people in your life. Or, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to be like a, an acolyte at the grocery store. Or, uh, you know, going to church and I mean, church is probably not the best place to ask people. You're not talking about politics. You're just saying, have you? Are you registered? That's it. You don't even ask somebody who they're voting for. Just say, hey, are you registered to vote? You know, there's a primary coming up. Uh, whoever you want to talk to, whoever you feel comfortable with. Uh, maybe who you don't feel comfortable with. I, I'm not going to speak for you and, and where you uh, sit uh, in situations like that. Uh, somebody else also messaged that they love that song, uh, Vote Blue No Matter Who. That is by Steve Goody. You can go to stevegoody.com. And tonight at 9 o'clock, we have a virtual comedy show. Go to virtualcomedyshow.com. Uh, I also will have the link posted on my Facebook page, my personal page. I probably should put it on the Patty Vasca Show page because it's every Monday night at 9 o'clock. It's a free comedy show. At some point during the show, we will pass the virtual hat and uh, ask for donations. But that's other than that, from the comfort of your own home, you can watch a great comedy show, including Steve Goody, Bradley Tassel. Tonight we have Carol Montgomery. It's going to be a lot of fun. So again, tonight at 9 o'clock Central. We're going to come back with Dr. Jason Bissell. Let's talk a little acupuncture and taking care of ourselves. This is going to be a long year. Joan mentioned this too. Got to pace ourselves. We have to be mindful of where we are, what we're doing. Uh, you know what? I did have a situation. Maybe I'll talk to Dr. Jason Bissell about this. I kind of had a, I maybe had a verbal altercation. It wasn't politically related though. I know, it's surprising. More to this on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
Every single time I tell folks that uh, the, the laws uh, that we that we consider to be pretty well established and our protections and things like that, whenever I mention that, um, and I got this, I've got this argument online before. Why am I setting up this way? And let's, let's take a step back. We're for, fix that in post. Will you, Paul? Just erase. Can you erase all that in real time and make? Let's just go back in here. Hansel, let me do this. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Every last Monday of the month, we are thrilled to welcome Dr. Jason Bissell from Chicago Community Acupuncture. Chikumaku. I'm going to get it wrong. Chikomaku. Chikomaku. Chikum- dot com. Dot com. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I have said this now for months. We uh, we keep talking about bringing Declan back because he has plantar fasciitis in addition to the other things. But his legs are getting like his, especially his right leg is getting stronger, and oh, so we need to come see you about his uh, just overall and see if that might help him a little bit, which I think it will. And uh, I, I I just every time I talk to someone about acupuncture, I, I sing your praises. Oh, thank you. Of course. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing wonderfully. It's such such a beautiful day today. Isn't this great? Yes, it's like uh, a preview, a coming attractions of spring. But it's going to get cold again tomorrow, and I'm very worried that people are not going to be prepared for it. And yes. these drastic temperature changes are a great recipe for getting sick. Mm-hmm. So I want everybody to dress warmly tomorrow. Take your hat, take your gloves. We're not out of the woods yet. And especially cover the back of your neck. Okay. In Chinese medicine, that is where the wind gets into you. That's where the, virus, the, the pathogens can get into you and uh, impair your system so that you can get all sorts of different illnesses. So scarves are great. They're your friends. Protect the back of your neck from a cold draft. I don't know what it is. Like, oh, there it is. So I, I have my scarf, even though it was seven, like whatever, 60 some degrees today. I, I have always needed to have, and I don't, I don't know if it's partly my mom, covered your neck. I don't mm-hmm. know. If, but I also, I, I, I have been in situations where it's the one thing, if I travel and I don't have my scarf or I lose it, I, I feel completely vulnerable. Why is it the back of our neck? Uh, there's just a spot on there known as the wind gate. The wind gate. Yeah, and in Chinese medicine, it's understood that pathogens ride into us on the wind, and that is where they get into us. All right, so keep that covered. Yeah, and it's funny, if you go to a conference of acupuncturists, everybody will have their neck covered. Like a turtleneck and a scarf. And a, yeah. All right. That's We're very too, aware of it. That's too funny. There, the other thing, it seems, is that uh, hydration is an issue when it gets hot and cold, because there's so much heat turned on, and then we don't acclimate. It, it feels like, I feel more dehydra- dehydrated with this very wildly fluctuating temperatures. Is that something that could be happening? That could be. I see more dehydration in the winter because uh-huh. in the summer we're sweating. We know we need to replenish sure. and we forget about it in the winter. I'm not sure the mechanism by which the, the fluctuating temperatures would contribute to that. But With the heat on, though, you're pretty dry, right? Yeah. And the radiators, they really suck the, the moisture out of the air. Yeah. That's how I'm, I think it's something. That's the hard part, too, is that I came in and I said I was just, I was so hot in here and I can feel the air kick on. It feels better. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're like, well, it's because it's warm outside. No, no building is prepared for this kind of weather. Like, I'm surprised my husband didn't turn the air conditioning on with 70 degrees or 65. Yeah, I was running the fan at the office. Were you really? Yeah. <laughs> you had to cool off. Did you go work out outside today? I did. I took my bike out for the first time in months. Oh, that'd be good. Yes, it was, it was early, so it was only 40 degrees, but I wasn't terribly uncomfortable. Uh, but speaking to this hydration issue, I I really had to remind myself to hydrate as I was going because I wasn't sweating, I wasn't feeling hot, but I had to remind myself I'm still consuming fluid. Yeah. 
So that was the. It was really nice to ride again. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Are you? Do you ride in the forest preserves, or where do you ride? I usually ride, uh, yeah, down the trails. Yeah, I'll either be on the North Branch Trail or the, the Sculpture Park Trail, which goes along McCormick. Sure. Or the Green Bay Trail, which is it goes from Wilmette all the way up to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Nice. You could have come to our uh, event. Oh, it wasn't warm enough to, to ride last Thursday. But I love <laughs> I love Kenosha. It's a really cute town. Yes. It's and, really and it's, fun. A, it's a wonderful trail. Yeah, you lose it at a couple spots. You have to know where to pick it back up. Right. Sure. But I see all these people that love to ride on Sheridan Road or Green Bay Road if they're going up north. Mm-hmm. And I don't like cars around me. So yeah. I really like being on the trails. I was going to ask you if you're an urban rider as well. I, I'm, I'm the same way. When I was a kid, I mean, I rode around here. Like this, mm-hmm. this is basically my whole area from you know north of Milwaukee and Foster, you know, maybe up to Niles and stuff. When I was a kid, and I used the the uh, the trails as well from like Caldwell Woods. I used to ride up to uh, um, what's the, uh, the Botanic Gardens. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And I was like, what? How far did I go? Highland Park. Um, but I um, I cannot ride in the city anymore. Like I, I, I did. Have you ever done bike the drive? Have we talked about this? We've done it once. Yes. So cool. Yes. But to leave, I was on Michigan Avenue. I'm like, this is a mistake. <laughs> I, can't, I don't have the proper mirrors. And I'm seeing a lot more of protected bike lanes, but it's really messing with people who don't know how to park. Have you seen, like, on Milwaukee Avenue, so they move the, the bike lane is along the curb, but then the parked cars are on the other side, like, uh, with traffic. Yeah, towards traffic. And it's a mess. People do not know how to park. They're very thrown off. I feel like some people, we need some sort of, like, digital advertising, like, campaign pain to like say hey when you see these lines you see a bike lane don't park in the bike lane you're not parking by the curb but it's so hit or miss on where those bike lanes are yes i do appreciate that the city is expanding the the bike infrastructure i I don't remember any bike lanes when we were kids no so i appreciate the the effort but we still have a ways to go yeah we we need a learning curve on that for sure Mm. uh yeah i i uh so what are you seeing um you know because it's such a weird season Right, we're not having as much cold weather, so maybe people aren't having as much of the aches and pains of uh, arthritis with uh, the extreme cold weather and with heavy lifting with the shoveling and things like that. Are you seeing a little bit of a decrease on that? Oh, that we, we all got a reprieve from the shoveling this year. Yeah, and knock on wood, that will continue. But uh, the drastic fluctuations, they mess with people's joints, they mess with our immunity. Okay. So I have a patient today, she she knew that it was nice today, but her body was telling her that it's going to be bad tomorrow already. So she had come in for some preventative joint work. Oh, nice. That's smart. And allergies, are you? It, it feels like the allergies, my, my my allergies feel like they're being messed with, with the way this weather's going. Like, I don't know if pollen is being released or because things dry and then there's a wind. Like It feels worse right now. Every year is worse. Every year is worse. <laughs> Every year, year is year worse? Yes. What? Yeah. John Stewart, several years ago, did a bit about how it's like uh, allergy Armageddon, and every year they're talking about the, the allergy apocalypse. And every year is worse for two reasons. A, every year our, our environment is more polluted, mm. and every year we have spent one more year in a polluted environment. Oh, dear. So we're knocked down further and further each year. The global warming gets worse. The, the the environmental toxins are worse, and so that it's not people's imaginations that every year is a worse year than the one prior. Oh man! Weather plays a role in it. You know, sure. Now we're having an early spring, so we might get this started earlier than we normally do. 
but uh, the overarching trend is that every year is worse. And oh, I'm man. so sorry to, to say that, but acupuncture can help. Acupuncture can help. Yes. Outstanding. Outstanding. And uh, I, don't, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the real confusion seems to be amongst the birds. They they do not seem to know what to do. I've seen them like just standing in the middle of a field going, I, do I stay? Do I go? I, like you're like you're, you're a patient that said that they, they knew today was nice, but tomorrow's going to be bad. The birds are like, ah, this doesn't feel right. I don't think we should be back in Chicago. Yeah, and I think the plants are also confused. Yes. The, the tulips, are we come up now or are we going to get a yeah. frozen? I'm curious to see how this is going to turn out for people's, for everyone's gardens. It's mm-hmm. very, yeah. And there's not, there's not really a baseline for this. This is crazy. I know that people talk about who deny any sort of climate change or global warming or all those whatever how you want to categorize it and they they want to deny that that the mankind has any had any impact on that and i as you mentioned we've created so many uh different chemicals and, and during jones show they were talking about forever plastics mm-hmm. uh in our waters which i didn't even realize was something that came out of world war ii and they're they're weaning them out of the you know production but still uh we're living with it oh thank goodness i didn't hear that they were taking them out oh, we need to get those out. Yeah, absolutely. I know Chicago was, I believe, was one of the first places that banned uh, like those um, body scrubs that have like little tiny, you know, scrubbing mm-hmm. plastics. Because yeah, because mm-hmm. it just goes into our into our water supply. But all these little water bottles that everybody's drinking I out of, know. those are terrible. I'm really trying to keep those away from my kids. Um, they they stay in the body forever. And what the big problem that we're seeing, which ties into something in the news here, is that it impairs fertility. Oh, because it's an estrogen mimicker and it can throw off women's hormones and and impair their ability to get pregnant, increasing the need for the IVF, which we know is very much in the news right now. And uh, it's something that I wanted to highlight actually today because my wife's specialty is helping women through IVF. She is also an acupuncturist. Yes. Holy cats. There must be some chaos in her world. Well, right now we're, we're good in Illinois. Sure, but that's but, not the... <laughs> but I wanted to talk a little bit about IVF. I don't know how many people know what all is involved with this, that it involves harvesting eggs from the woman and giving her a bunch of strong medications. Mm-hmm. So instead of just releasing one egg per month, she might make 5, 10, 15, 20 eggs. Yep. And they pull them out surgically, and then they introduce the man's sperm to them. And let them grow for a couple of days and see which ones you're taking. And sometimes you'll have 12, 15 viable embryos here. And you don't want to be like the Octomom and put them all in at once. You don't want to wind up with octuplets or septuplets or <laughs> too many multiples. So they will usually transfer one or two and freeze the rest. And when people hear that my wife works with fertility, they think this is some sort of new procedure, some some new niche for acupuncture. But it's actually one of the oldest specialties in acupuncture. What? Yeah. In ancient China, not necessarily IVF, but fertility. Okay. Because in ancient China, the ability to have a child, particularly a son, was of utmost importance. If the emperor couldn't sire an heir, that was a national crisis. So fertility and obstetrics was one of the first and most highly developed specialties in Chinese medicine. So when women are trying naturally, acupuncture can help regulate the cycle so that she's ovulating at the optimal time and we can predict and know when she's ovulating so you can time the the coitus to try and meet that egg. It can improve the endometrial lining, so the blood that forms along the inside of the uterus to provide a nourishing environment. You don't want it to be too thin or too thick, so it can help to regulate that. It can improve the egg quality, 
As women get older, their egg quality diminishes, but acupuncture can help to improve it. From the men's side, it can improve the sperm count, sperm motility, and morphology. And I always have to caution men when I'm lecturing about this that we don't put the needles in the penis or testicles because that's always the first thing that guys think about. No, the needles go in the women. Take it down on that, boys. Yeah. No, no, but for treating men, we, we, uh, treating the sperm count, motility, morphology, we can get that through the wrists and ankles. And then with IVF, there's some very good research that improves the success rate of this. IVF is a very involved procedure. It costs ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. Women have to go to multiple appointments and do these hormone shots. Uh, it's, it's quite taxing both physically and mentally and emotionally. I guess that's more than both, but mm-hmm. all physically and mentally and emotionally. And acupuncture can drastically improve the success rate of that. So if anybody out there is worried about trying to get pregnant, I would encourage you to look up my wife, Jeannie Bissell, at a center for acupuncture, which is in Wilmette. And um, actually, in, in truth, most acupuncturists will be able to help you with this. Right. But she has dedicated her life to it. She's one of the top in the country. And people will, we have this steady stream of birth announcements that people will send us, you know, nice. thank you for helping us. And sometimes, <laughs> Acupuncture babies. Yeah, and patients will sometimes ask me as they're in their first interview with me, you know, how long do the effects of acupuncture last? And some of these women were told they could never have their own biological child. So sometimes I'll point at these pictures and say, I don't know, maybe 100 years? Because this child wouldn't have existed without the intervention of, of the acupuncture. Right. Oh, that's wild. I want to talk more about this. Let's take a break. We're talking to Dr. Jason Bissell. You can go to Chikomaku. Chikomaku.com or centerforacu.com is the Wilmette office. Outstanding. Let's take a break here and continue our conversation at WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. If you have any questions for Dr. Jason Jason Bissell, you can call us at 773-763-9278. You can text us to the same number, 773-763-WCPT. More after this. Hi folks, I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Dr. Jason Bissell and I are in the studio just hanging out and talking about various aspects of what's going on nationally. We uh, were talking about in vitro fertilization and you know, people are, are making a lot of theories about why they're coming for IVF. They, they want the whole thing. They want to be because they're saying, and it, it makes some sense. Like, why go this hard at the ability for people to start a family when they say that they're the party of family values? Because I guess it's not being done the traditional way, but yet rape is okay for inseminating a woman, I guess, and making her have a baby. But a woman who wants to have a child uh, should not be able to, whether it's because she, they're waiting because maybe there's an illness. Um, maybe that they have struggled to get pregnant. Um, maybe that they, uh, maybe it's a gay couple, right? That's another thing that people are talking about. Well, they don't want to have gay, gay people be able to have, uh, you know, eggs from, it's just crazy. It's all part of the agenda of controlling women. 
a large reason why my, a lot of my wife's population need IVF is because they've waited later in life because mm. they were working on their careers. Uh, career they women, They were finishing yep. education, they were mm-hmm. advancing in their careers, and then they finally got all the places, all the ducks in a row, they've got things ready to support a child. And these far-right pe- wing- wingers don't like those sort of empowered women. They don't want them being educated. They don't want them being in the workforce. They want them home cooking the dinner. Right. So... IVF is just collateral damage with that, but it's just another part of women taking control of their own reproduction, that they would like it to be that you get pregnant when I get you pregnant. Yeah. I want to thank you. Uh, And I I was having a conversation with Dwayne Kennedy last week and and so many of the men in my life who have been talking about how they want to control women. And so many of us have felt that way. And when we point it out or say that something feels misogynistic or feels uh, directed at us, specifically because of the way we look or because of our gender. Uh, I've been gaslit for so many years that it's it's still hard for me to hear a man say they want to control women. I'm like, I knew it! <laughs> I thought Our secret's out. But yeah, but I'm just like, it, it's because we always, you know, I, I also, uh, in my 20s was when I started doing stand-up comedy and Rush Limbaugh was dominating the airwaves, calling us feminazis and, and really banging this drum of anti-feminism for so long. It's still hard for me to like feel comfortable hearing someone say that because I'm like, no, everyone said that's not true, Doc. <laughs> no, it's so clear. I don't know how you could not see it. Um, they're not hiding it at all. They just want to put women back under the thumb of, of their male captors. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. And I, I feel so bad about it. I'm so guilty about our, our history here. And if I, so many people. It seems the only thing they have got, the only thing they have going for them is being white and male, and that that is traditionally given them power, right. and they don't want to cede any of that. And I think if the, that's the only thing you got going for yourself, go back to school, get yourself a skill, make yourself useful in some other way. That's so hard. That's a lot of work. Can I just be mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the problem with equality is that I, as a white male, am no longer automatically on top. So, I mean, equality sounds like great, but if you were born on top, then you are losing that advantage. And I feel so sad for these people that, that that's all they've got going for them and that they feel the need to keep everybody else down rather than just elevating themselves and elevating others because elevating others elevates you as well. The people that we revere most, or that we we should revere most in our society, are those that are helping others. Right, I agree. No, but right now, I I, uh, I see people just worshiping somebody who is cruel, and and I just it's so strange. It seems like it takes a lot of energy to be mean. Yes, and it, and in a lot of other societies, they would uh, marginalize sociopaths. They right. would try and protect them from protect society from them. But here, we reward them. We make them CEOs. We put them on the Forbes list. We I, elect them to president in 2016. What is a you? Know, I don't know much about uh, Chinese culture and money and the relationship with money. Is that also this? I mean, like I know that they've obviously there's been communism and struggling with the disparities between the very wealthy and the very poor. I was watching uh, Sean Fain, who's the head of uh, the UAW, talking about how we don't need more billionaires. We don't, no. but there's, there's, I mean, we don't. Nobody needs to be that wildly wealthy. It's just not necessary. No, if there's a, you know, a certain pie of food and somebody takes most of it out so that others can't eat, and yours is just going to rot in yes. your fridge, that that that's 
unequal distribution. And when I talk about this with my right-wing friends, it's like, oh, you just want to tax success. I'm like, no, if you're working harder, you do deserve a bigger piece right. of the pie, but not the whole pie. No. Well, here's the thing. You know, Jeff Bezos does not work hard, like a, a billion times harder than his, where, his warehouse staff. No. No. And, and they have underpaid and overworked these folks, and now he's developing AI to eliminate them. Mm-hmm. What? I mean, he accumulated all this wealth so that not only is he has he suppressed the ability and the, the upward mobility of people to have a better life, he wants to eliminate access to it altogether. I mean, it's his toy, but holy crap. Yeah, and that would be fine if we had the universal basic income. I don't think that we have so much work in our world that we all need to be doing 40 hours a week. I know. I think, you know, I would love that I'll have more time to pursue our hobbies, our passions, our philanthropy, our, our charitable works. But we're all struggling just to, to make ends meet with this, and it's harming society. Yeah. I, I don't know how these folks are so, so short-sighted. Yeah, I remember when I was just thinking about this the other day, uh, when Joan Rivers passed away, I was invited on WGN News to talk about women in comedy. And I, I, it was so funny because I, I, somebody posted on a, a feed that someone shared, get a real job. Right. Like being a stand up comic, a commentator, like doing like doing performing is not a job like this disdain for unless you're, I guess, toiling, you know, 40 hours a week specifically. I don't know what they expect. How is this not a job? Because you're not making money for somebody else. Oh, I see. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. That would be that would be accurate. Uh, What do you have? What do you want to tell people before we go about uh, getting some uh, attention from the Chicago community from Chicago community acupuncture? Uh, it's not just for reaction. It's good for preventative medicine. As I just talked about this patient here, she knew the weather was changing. She was going to mess up her joints. Acupuncture is good for what ails you. And come visit me at Milwaukee, Devon, and Nagel at Chicago Community Acupuncture, chikomaku.com. And I'm at a Center for Acupuncture in Wilmette, centerforacu.com. Outstanding. Well, please say hi to your, your family for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would love to have one of it when the girls are on spring break. I don't know if it lines up with, uh, with the last Monday. But if you want to come by, let me know. All right. Thanks right. a lot, Patty. Have a great evening. Take care. When we come back, we are going to talk to, uh, we have uh, we have Professor Dr. Barry Maurer. You're going to like this one, uh, Doc, because he's going to talk about uh, induced delusional disorder among MAGA. Mm-hmm. More after this on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Get home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks as politicians getting caught grabbing asses. Hello, hello, and thank you for joining us for this hour of conversation that I have been looking forward to for days. I want to first say hello to our friends listening in Minneapolis, St. Paul on KTNF 950 AM, joining us here at WCPT 820 Chicago. And joining us is uh, somebody that has done some research and written about induced delusional disorder and how Trump supporters suffer from that. We are talking to Dr. Barry Maurer. He's a PhD from the University of Central Florida. Uh, Dr. Dr. Maurer, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me on your show. I am excited. Uh, first of all, I just love the cover of your book. I've, I've been uh, looking at some of the, the uh, things that you've written as well as the reviews of it and how it should be uh, necessary reading. First of all, let's start here. What uh, what led you to decide to write this book and do this research? Well, I've been a political person for my life, for my whole life, and um, uh, I noticed 
back way back in the 70s and 80s how dangerous the right wing was becoming. Uh, but I wasn't uh, equipped as a scholar yet to really understand it. So uh, once I got my PhD and started teaching, uh, I decided to take some of my training, which was in persuasive writing and rhetoric, and start looking into the persuasive appeals of uh, right-wing leaders and propagandists and also the effect of what's happening on, on their followers. So um, I started designing courses around this, uh, the first one called Propaganda and Pseudoscience. I taught that for a few years. Um, after that, I taught a course called Why Are People Fooled? And uh, following that, I taught a course called The Age of Mass Delusion. So it was my research into those courses which really prepared me to um, publish the book, and now I'm publishing additional work. Are you uh, experiencing any sort of black backlash or any sort of threats because you are teaching in Florida, of all places, which seems like they have, yes. they're not very keen on, on critical thinking, is my understanding. Right. So um, all of these courses were honors courses, which are limited to like the top 5% of the university. And the people who sign up for the courses are pretty self-selecting. So um, I've had no pushback from students at all. Um, uh, you know, typically I have 19 or 20 students in a class, and um, they're pretty much ready to have their eyes opened. Uh, they're not resistant. Um, when I have run into resistance is in classes with kind of more regular titles, um, uh, literary theory and, um, I don't know, just regular persuasive writing classes and mm -hmm. things like that where, um, you know, I'll bring up a subject like evolution or um, landing on the moon or oh, any God. number of things that <laughs> yeah. you think are not controversial and, uh, you know, then, then you start getting a lot of pushback. Um, but it's been a long time since I've gotten a, a threat, like a death threat. Um, that happened really a lot back when Bush uh, invaded Iraq, uh, huh. and I spoke up, spoke up against it, and there was a lot of death threats at that time, but not much in the way of threats since then, and I'm not asking for any. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think that you will, yeah, I don't think that you'll find uh, appearing on this show to be an issue in that regard. Uh, I would be surprised. Uh, yeah. But but please let me know if you do, because uh, we should know those things, too. Because yeah, I, I really yeah. think this is an it's important conversation. I was, I was just mentioning earlier, uh, you know, with the ways in which they're trying to control women's bodies, uh, you know, the latest decision in Alabama regarding IVF, and, and you know, there are states like Missouri where they want to, uh, they want information on on any woman who's ever had an abortion so they can block her access right. to various kinds of health care. Uh, you know, people didn't think this was going to happen. So there, there were people like there was, there was sort of a soft delusion that people on the far extreme right were dangerous. Right. So that, like you said, right. people right. didn't realize the threat, did we? And, and, and I think some people no. still don't. I think you're right. And in fact, I kind of went into the show thinking that I would talk about liberal delusions <laughs> to some extent. Okay. And the, the primary delusions I think liberals have is is they're way underestimating the dangers of the yep. right wing and, and the delusions that are coming from the right wing. Um, 
Yeah. And and part of that is understandable, I think, if you consider the average liberal or left-leaning person who wants to be tolerant, who wants to be fair-minded and give people the benefit of the doubt, et cetera, et cetera. Um, these are all wonderful qualities to have, except when you're dealing with extremists and manipulators. Uh, and then there are terrible qualities to have because they can be used against you um, quite easily. So <laughs> it is unfortunate um, that we need some more uh, flamethrowers. We, we need more flamethrowers. Well, I'm not saying, yeah, I mean, maybe, but I, I, I guess I was thinking just just people who are not so full of wishful thinking. Right. And who are a bit more clear eyed about what we're facing. And if you look back in history, you see people like. George Orwell, for example, who was okay. pretty clear-eyed about the threats posed by fascism. Um, he wasn't exactly a flamethrower, but he was pretty, pretty clear and direct about the threats that were that we were facing at the time. So yeah. we need more. More yeah. of those people. Well, now. it's funny yeah. that you say that because we just spoke to Rick Perlstein last week. I, I, I'm imagining you might be familiar. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, with the rise of he, he has been devoting a lot of his life to this uh, research as well. And he's written a piece sure. about, you know, where is the art, you know, coming out of whether it's the pandemic or the, you know, the pushback against the, you know, extreme right. Because if you see, like, uh, for me, I think of Frank Capra as being an example, uh, regardless of his actual right. personal politics. But the stories that he told were very, uh, you know, challenging for, you know, whether it was people in power or how we treat each other. And and maybe it's just that it is harder now with, I don't know, do you see that art coming out of this period? And is it is it rising to that, that sort of um, level, as you mentioned? I, I don't, I, I'm trying to think of somebody who's doing it. I, I, sure, I see it all the time. Um, I mean, even on mainstream levels, I'm thinking about you know, Barbie was pretty straightforward, nice. and, <laughs> yes. and uh, you know, or uh, Don't Look Up was another example of a movie that really took on climate denial. And I do think it's it's, it's mainstream and it's every day if you know where to look. Right. Um, but it's not. It doesn't like when I look around and sort of take the temperature of the society, and particularly what the media is saying, and it, and, and I'm using. Very broad based, you know, talking about sort of CNN, New York Times and so on. There's very little alarm at what's happening um, there. And there's very much this sort of both siderist um, portrayal. Uh, if if one side is arguing for camps and, and killing people, well, the other side is just as bad because Biden's old or something. Right. So. Right. Or Gaza. Uh, I think that the, a lot of uh, far left progressives are angry with uh, our, our role in, in what's happening in Israel and Palestine. And, and I think that to your point, the the looming threat of the alternative, it, unfortunately, uh, and there are war crimes going on. But this the we may I keep trying to tell folks live to fight another day if, if you. If, yeah. it, it, right. I mean, that's the best way I can put it. I have, I, I'm torn on that question because I, I was. Exactly thinking about driving into work this morning, you know, and, and, and the people in Gaza don't get a chance to say no. one way or another what their fate is, you know, and, and the people standing up for them are saying, you know, it needs to happen now. Um, and I understand a lot more is at stake, but it's 
it's also kind of, uh, you know, if we permit these kind of atrocities here, then they become permissible elsewhere. So, right. And, and the way I would describe this situation is that it's uh, what I call um, a, a sort of pathological consensus. In other words, for for decades there there was pathological consensus that segregation was justifiable, and both major parties supported it. And there was, um, you know, uh, there was pathological consensus around a lot of the Cold War activities and imperialist wars and so on. And it's pretty hard if you're fighting against those things to find one party sometimes that's maybe slightly better than the other. So I do think overall you're more likely to get a response from the Democrats, um, or at least some of the Democrats, in, in calling a halt to the to the war in Gaza than you will from the Republicans. Right. Um, so, again, it's a – but, you know, I don't want to moralize about the people on that uh, – in that argument who are fighting for their lives. Right. But at the, at the same time, I recognize, yes, there, there are these larger stakes, and I would hope – that Biden would actually see it and and take some action and realize it is a threat from from the left and he needs to do something. I agree. I agree. We're, we're talking to uh, we're, yeah. we are uh, having a conversation about uh, <laughs> deadly delusions. Right wing death cult uh, is a book that Dr. Barry Maurer has written. And uh, we're having a conversation about uh, all of the elements that are at play right now. And I want to continue this conversation and, and talk a little bit more about how uh, folks have been convinced of the most outrageous things. Uh, people that you would not think would no. think would hold such hateful thoughts or, you know, believe in anything from uh, flat earth to uh, Pizzagate to all these uh, things, but in, in, in really uh, a genocidal cult. So let's talk a little bit about that when we come back on WCPT 820 and KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, more after this. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are talking to Dr. Barry Maurer. Uh, he has written the, the uh, book Deadly Delusions, Right-Wing Death Cult. And uh, I want to thank the professor for joining us to have this conversation. Now, uh, we do, I, I mean, a lot of us have uh, described people who are in in MAGA as cult members and then there are these I don't know if you follow the uh, the good liars or some of the other sort of satirical groups that interview people at rallies um, one of the yep. things have you seen like, have you seen the one where there's a whole it's, it might not be the good liars but they were if people were asked if they would rather uh, have four more years of Biden or Trump as a dictator and person after person yeah I, I, okay so how do how, how did we I, I guess you talked about how we didn't we, you and I and many of us didn't recognize the threat of extreme right-wingers. Um, but w- tell us a little bit about the induced delusion aspect of this, of, be, of, of okay. you know, going down that, like, whether it's online or someone told you that uh, there are children being sold for their blood, um, all these things to stay young. What, right. what, 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 where do, <laughs> what is happening, I guess? 
Yeah, yeah. So it's a complex mixture of things, of course. Um, but one of the things I like to say is that um, delusion and cults is way more prevalent than we normally uh, give credit for. It's it's just a kind of almost standard part of human society and human life, and it exists in a lot of different places in a lot of different forms. So, um, you know, the average person would say, I'm not in a cult, and yet they probably are. Um, it's just that we tend to think of cults as being pretty small groups with uh, maybe they're in the same physical location, like on a compound somewhere in, in Idaho, or, you know, they've got a charismatic leader and they give all their money to the leader. And that's not how I define cults. Um, I define cults as um, uh, basically based on a psychological profile where people share the same delusion. So there is a term um, called uh, folie a deux, uh, which basically means you know a madness of two, um, and and that's pretty common in the psychological literature where you can find two people who share the same delusion, and it could be you know a married couple or it could be uh, uh, siblings or it's usually people who are kind of close. Um, but there's no reason why it has to stop stop at two or stop at a hundred or stop at a thousand. There's no upper limit to a cult, and they don't have to be in physical proximity, and they don't have to have even a single common leader or a charismatic leader. Uh, it's just the, the bare definition is shared delusion. So, what is a delusion? It's it's basically a it's a form of denial on steroids. So. People get into denial very easily when they're confronted with information they don't like, that doesn't feel good to them, that's just, uh, you know, I don't want to accept it for whatever reason. And that's pretty normal. And the question is, how long does that persist? And how much do people dig in their heels? If uh, you dig in your heels for 30 days, according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, then you're delusional. So. Denial turns into delusion at 30 days. I don't know why they pick 30 days and not 20 or anything <laughs> else, but that's just that's, that's what they say. So we, you know, we have to give people a chance. That's why I want to separate out delusion from something like ignorance. Okay. Uh, because a lot of times people will say things and they don't really they don't really have any information that they're basing it on. And you might give them correct information and they'll say, Oh yeah, okay, okay, I see that now. Um, that's different from delusion. And a lot of right-wingers may be ignorant, um, and it, it comes down to each specific issue. You kind of have to test them on their beliefs and see, like, you know, have you, have you come in contact with, um, with evidence that is counter to your belief, right? Maybe they never have. If they haven't, then it, it's not really fair to call them delusional. A delusion only can be diagnosed when someone is faced with overwhelming contrary evidence to their belief. And so if they're totally in a bubble, you could, what you can say is that the bubble is delusional. In other words, the, the group that they're in is delusional, but the individual person in that group who shares the delusional belief is not really delusional because they haven't encountered counter information. So one of the really dangerous things about the right-wing cult right now is 
how protected they are from alternative information. And when I look at these people like the good liars and so on who are magnificent, uh, you know, they'll tell people like, uh, here's an actual Trump uh, post on Truth Social or something, or here's an actual video recording of him saying this thing, right? And they hadn't seen it before. Uh, they didn't know that he said, I'm going to terminate, you know, we should terminate the Constitution or grab him by the pussy or whatever he said. You know, they just they hadn't heard that before. So it's like, OK, now that you've heard this, what do you say? And very frequently, their first reaction is oh, this is someone trying to frame him. Um, right. And that's how. Yeah. And that's called a. um well, when people start to generate ad hoc reasons why they should reject counter information, that's one of the first responses of denial uh, is to generate ad hoc reasoning. And again, we all do this, but you have to put it down at some point. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out here is that certain delusions are dangerous and certain ones are really not that dangerous. Like you can believe in maybe a you know, a good fairy that follows you around that wishes you love or something. And that's probably not too dangerous. But believing that, like, Jews are subhuman or, you know, uh, Mexicans are committing crimes at greater rates than Americans or something and smuggling in fentanyl. You know, these are these are delusions. They're not true and they're very dangerous because they lead people to act out and commit crimes and, and violent crimes against scapegoats. Having done all of this research and, and having conversations and talking to people, you know, working through all of this, you mentioned that uh, that they have sort of, again, there's that self-fulfilling element to this by, you know, only having conversations with each other, but of course also uh, watching Fox News or one, one, one particular right. outlet. You know, I, I wonder, you know, there isn't a, a point at which we seem to have any uh, ability to rein in uh, the access. I mean, look, Fox News was sued and had a massive, you know, they, they settled with an extraordinary high number and it, it changed nothing on Fox News. Uh, is is the horse, the proverbial horse uh, out of the barn and around the planet and not coming back? Uh, sadly, the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those things where, um, you know, the, the uh, prevention an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Um, the madness is so advanced. Uh, I kind of compare it. I, I don't kind of. I do compare it to cancer. That's uh, you know sort of the stage four, and uh, it's not just in individual people. It's a it's a social political cancer, um, and at this point, it's so incredibly difficult to treat. Uh, you may have success with a person here and there. Um, and, and there are proven, you know, success cases like uh, Derek Black, who was the son of the storefront, uh, stormfront, sorry, not storefront, stormfront leader in Florida, uh, brought up a hardcore racist, you know, meant to take over Stormfront, which is basically a neo-Nazi group. And he encountered some uh, Jewish friends in college who convinced him um, that all his beliefs were wrong. But that took a year, and they, you know, these were people who had un unbelievable amounts of patience and no guarantee of success. Uh, so, you know, that's a, a lot of times we're up against people who are hardcore delusional and 
the average person is not equipped to deprogram them or any of that kind of stuff that we see, you know, touted as like, well, the solution is just, you know, I don't know, take them off and show them all the facts and whatever. I mean, that rarely works. Yeah, I know. I was just, uh, someone was uh, asking today because you, you'll often see these arguments on social media where someone, you know, refutes something, you know, just saying that's not true, whatever. And they're like, prove it. And then, you know, and I used to do this where I would, you know, have sources and studies and, and I would try to find yeah. you know, a different news outlet. So it wasn't, didn't seem like it was just one biased organization. And, uh, and I realized like it, it, it didn't change anything. It, it really, uh, no. it, and no. I, you know, it just, it, I just felt smug about my self-righteousness as really what it came down to. Yeah, yeah. No, we've seen a wonderful social experiment in action in the last three years or so where there were hearings about January 6th. Uh, all of the uh, people who testified were Republicans. Um, all of them were people who were in the action and had primary knowledge. Um, and also with the, the judges who threw out all the frivolous cases Trump brought. Um, a lot of them were Trump appointed judges, right? And so we have a, you know, we have a pretty good social science experiment there where we say, okay, let's hear it directly from people who you would find credible. They're all Republicans, right? No, it hasn't changed the, the political equation as far as I can tell uh, significantly at all. So, um, no. You know, again, and and again, this is like there's a there's something else going on. There's something else going on that um, is beyond uh, a kind of sort of rational appeal or hope for a rational appeal. So, well, um, and not only that, but we're we're dealing with people who are extremely dangerous and heavily armed, willing to commit violence. A lot of them, and. Um, so I do want to throw out a couple other words here, being a professor and, you know, I'm always wanting to give a class, but one is eliminationist. So the rhetoric coming out of the right wing is eliminationist, which means we can only solve the political, social, economic problems of our country by eliminating large groups of people, whether they're immigrants, homosexuals, leftists, whatever. It just so happens that they're exactly the same list of people that the Nazis had a list of, you know. Yeah. And um, the the fantasy of eliminating them gets increasingly uh, grandiose. Um, and now, you know, the, the Trump administration for the next term when he's in office, uh, God forbid, is that, uh, you know, they will be setting up massive camps to hold millions of people. Right. So uh, this is not just a uh, fantasy pipe dream. It's it's actually uh, something that they plan to implement. Okay. We are talking to Dr. Barry Maurer from the University of Central Florida. He has written uh, he's written the book. Hold on. Deadly delusions. Oh, my God. I'm just the right wing death cult. And uh, I, I, I know that people are on the edge of their seats right now <laughs> for us to continue the conversation. So if you don't mind hanging yeah. on, we'll be right back after this break. Okay, sir. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. 
We are on the phone with Professor Barry Maurer, the author of Deadly Delusions, Right-Wing Death Cult. And uh, Dr. Maurer, if you don't mind, I have a listener who would like to join the conversation uh, and has a question for you. Is that all right? Yeah. Excellent. Uh, this is actually one of our hosts here at WCPT. He hosts the Kitchen Table Progressives on Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Paul in Seattle, you're on with Dr. Maurer. Thanks. Uh, yes, Doctor. Fascinating uh, conversation. So here's, I'm going to set my question up this way. Um, when I was about four, I had an imaginary friend. His name was Harry. And yeah. I don't know how long that lasted. I think it was kind of during the summertime. I'm not sure if it lasted 30 days, but it ended the same way. I knew there was no Harry. I just wanted to have a place to go where I could say, I'm going over to Harry's house, and then come back in about 10 minutes and say, oh, he wasn't home. Um, yeah. But it ended the same way. I've heard a lot of imaginary friend scenarios end is that one day I'd sit on the floor in the kitchen and my mother said, did you do that? And I said, no, Harry did that. And she said, well, you just tell Harry if that's what he's going to do that, he can't come over here anymore. And, of course, I burst into tears and, you know, then I said, Harry, get out of here. And I, that was the end of Harry. So I think yeah. you'd be concerned if your child had an imaginary friend that went on for months and months and maybe years. You would be concerned yeah. about your child's mental health. So I'm wondering about these Trumpers. Are they becoming yeah. more mentally ill or were they or have they been mentally ill? And that's why they think that mm. the problem with guns is mental illness, because it takes one to know one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a great point. Um, yeah. I mean, to address that, there's a few things I'd like to say. One is that I wouldn't diagnose a child as mentally ill. And, and, and first of all, I'm not a doctor, so I wouldn't be doing that anyway. But I don't think that's pretty standard in the, in the literature. And that generally what happens is people don't get diagnosed with delusional disorder unless it's plainly interfering with their life in some kind of negative way. Um, and so the people who typically are uh, diagnosed are people who are you know maybe schizophrenic or maybe have a drug induced delusion um, and and the medical establishment is really ill prepared to deal with um, the kind of cult like delusion that we see now because a lot of those people are functional they can hold jobs they it, 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 particularly because they function within a milieu in which their beliefs are accepted uh, they don't face negative consequences for those beliefs very often. And so, um, you know, that's that's part of it is that the, the sort of social standard for what's acceptable has slipped to the point where absolutely extremely dangerous delusions are now so common that we don't want to say that this group of tens of millions of people, potentially larger, is uh, delusional and, and particularly in a very dangerous way. Um, another point I'd like to make is that we, you mentioned the word induced, so I do want to talk about that a little bit. That you know, the people most susceptible to induced delusion are children because they're trusting and because they don't have uh, fully developed reasoning faculties. And so if you're a, a parent or a caregiver, it's it's fairly easy to induce children to believe in, in things that are dangerous and false. Um, and the example I would give of this is the, the movie Jesus Camp. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> um, 
it's a terrifying film in which, you know, it's really happening. It's kids in America go to these typically summer camps where they're indoctrinated to be warriors um, for essentially a Christo-fascist state. And it's not much different from the kind of uh, camps that you see happening with uh, in Islamist circles where, you know, people are being trained to to um, fight uh, terrorist jihad. And I'm not denouncing Islam in general or jihad in general, which is, you know, if you understand Islam, the jihad is an internal struggle. Um, but it's been weaponized um, as a as a terrorist. Uh, motivator, and the same thing has happened with Christianity. Again, I don't think Jesus. I mean, I'm, I'm, again, I'm no theologist, but I would say Jesus doesn't really preach a lot of violence, uh, mm-hmm. that, that sort of thing. <laughs> no. So, um, so yeah, it's possible to turn uh, kind of ordinary or you know cultural beliefs lying around and to pervert them and to induce delusions in people who are susceptible for one reason or another. And obviously childhood is a period of vulnerability, but often adults are in vulnerable periods too. So, um, you know, if you look at the adults who are vulnerable to this kind of stuff, I would argue that their cognitive immune systems have been compromised and they're compromised in various ways. So cognitive immunity is a theory that we have in our minds, uh, ways of sorting out bad and good information or bad beliefs from good ones. And we can, uh, just like our body has an immune system that can fight off invaders. um, And that when that system is working pretty well, we can spot baloney and we can reject it. Um, But if it's compromised, it doesn't work well. And what happens is a, a bad belief will implant itself in the mind and then what happens is that the cognitive immune system gets flipped. It, it gets hijacked and starts to defend the pathological belief and attack counterinformation that would degrade that belief. And that's a process in, uh, I guess we would call it brainwashing, right? Um, and, and the standard way of doing it is you treat people to a watered-down or distorted version of the opposing belief so that when they encounter it for real, they are prepared to reject it. Uh, And I would say the most dangerous delusion on the right is their delusion about the left. So their delusion is that the left wing wants totally open borders, wants crime in the cities, wants uh, to... uh, you know, get rid of Christianity, wants to uh, have, uh, you know, all politics be run by uh, transsexual gays or whatever. And it, it, it's really just this extreme parody, uh, totally open borders, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, none of which is true. Like, uh, you know, we, we uh, certainly identify with the left side of the spectrum, you know, and um, I don't agree. I, that, that's a, an absolute, you know, distortion of anything, I believe. So um, I I don't have any problem with trans people, uh, but there's no plot to make them rule society and turn everyone trans. You know, that's not what's happening. But if you listen to the right, their their view of the left is so completely distorted 
um, that when they encounter anyone from the left, they discredit them. Yeah. Uh, not, and not only that, but they discredit entire media sources. And there's a great term for this called dismediation. So dismediation means I'm not going to believe anything if it comes from CNN, the New York Times, or any of that. And it's extended so far that people will say, I don't even believe it if it's on Fox. You know, I only get my news from Newsmax or something. So, um, yeah. So then you, you have, you know, these really people will become increasingly kind of isolated uh, in their own uh, world of you know, epistemological world that they've constructed or co-constructed with other people. I wonder, I mean, because I, I have a lot, I live in a community that is uh, fairly mixed politically. I mean, and, well, and I would say that in parts of my community uh, is heavily uh, conservative. Uh, you know, my neighborhood went for about 50, in 2016, I want to say it was uh, 52% for Trump, 49% in the last election. So I have a lot of friends who are conservative and, uh, and, and they kind of, they kind of treat me like I'm the, the aberrant, like I'm sort of like the, un, the unicorn of Democrats. Cause I can talk to them and, and things like that. I, I, cause I, I guess I still mm-hmm. hold out hope <laughs> that, that, but, right. but not, I mean, like some folks, it does seem as though no matter what I say, I mean, it does, it's almost like their identity is being challenged. And if that, is, you know, if you peel away that, then what are they left with? It seems. And, yeah, and I absolutely. also, yeah. And I also wonder how much of this, when you mentioned, uh, you know, again, I know when folks have heard me talk about religion, they, they get very uh, protective of their, of their beliefs and, and, and hear yeah. me as attacking them and, right. and, and not to your point. I mean, Christian, the teachings of Christ are so in contrast with everything <laughs> that, that seems to be coming out of uh, Trump's campaign and his speeches and his right. attitude. And and what, by the way, so let me ask you this, because um, you mentioned also the uh, uh, the movie Jesus Camp, because, uh, you know, there are there, you know, we know that there have been camps here and, and militias and, and training young people. Um, what do you, what do you see as, um, you know, a path forward? Is there a way you mentioned it took a year for the student um, who had Jewish friends? Right. Otherwise, he would have taken over a white nationalist group. Um, right. Are those stories somewhat far and few between? Because that's my sense of things. They are, unfortunately, pretty few and far between. Um, and that's why I think it's, uh, you know, I, I wanted to give some recommendations, I guess, yes. to defeating the right-wing cult. <laughs> so um, I, I, I've written about these in the book, and I just want to mention uh, some of them. But one is uh, defend the collective cognitive immune system. So so much effort, I think, on the left is put into trying to find the sympathetic right-winger who might listen to you and maybe change their mind. I'm thinking strategically it makes a lot more sense to put your energy into these things. So defend the collective cognitive immune system. So what are those? There are things like institutions of higher learning. There are things like, you know, decent media where the truth is getting out, right? Because once those things are corrupt, you got no defense left. Um, bear witness to right-wing abuses and media complicity. Yeah. So, you know, when, when they're doing horrible things and they're trying to both sides it, call that out. Um, there's often a failure to call the other side evil when, in fact, what they're doing is evil. And I think 
That kind of language, moral language needs to be used when evil is being committed, um, particularly when we see people, um, you know, uh, I, I guess some people on the left even bending over backwards to try to apologize for things like Black Lives Matter and Antifa and campus protests and things like that, when they didn't cause this right-wing reaction, right? Their defenses against right-wing terror um, support campaigns of anti-bullying, anti-terrorism, anti-fascism, and all the efforts that are going into um, exposing and degrading cults, you know, especially those that work. I, I would say like Stephen Hassan's uh, Freedom of Mind is a great example. Um, never, treat, never treat the right wing or its leaders as just a joke. I mean, it's easy to laugh at them, but uh, the fascists in the 30s, they loved being treated as jokes. Uh, it, it was perfect for them, a uh, perfect petri dish for them to grow in. Yeah. Realize, yeah, realize that right-wingers will use the best character traits of liberals and leftists against them. Uh, yeah. I feel that so deeply. <laughs> yeah. So when you so say... The proper... Yes, go yeah. ahead. The proper yes, go. You continue. The, the proper response to this is, is, is nonstop resistance. And resistance doesn't have to be in the street with, you know, fists and rocks. Resistance can just be talking about the truth and protecting your community and protecting your cognitive immunity, both individually and collectively. And a couple more, don't waste time appealing to incorrigible right-wingers to change their minds. Um, You may find a few who are not incorrigible, but you need to set out when it is incorrigible and not waste time with that. I have to tell you, that's something that I, I, because people seem to think that this radio show is someplace where if they call it, well, you know, I thought it was a talk show. I thought it's not a debate show and I'm not giving over this platform for somebody to just spread lies and and, yeah. and 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 sow that seed of doubt, you know, and and I I, I am focused, and and I'm look the other thing I talk about, and and maybe this is what I feel for me personally is a distinction between progressives and conservatives, or at least me from <laughs> from very right wing extremists is that I am willing to change my opinion based on new information. I'm open to yes. that. That's it. That is called san- that is called sanity. <laughs> it shouldn't be left or right. It's just called sanity. Okay. All right. I mean, I think, but, but it's yeah. it's more common on the left for some reason. You know. Yeah. I mean, and really, it has to do particularly with the history of politics. If you look at it, that the, that the left and right was originally yeah came from France after the revolution. And the right wanted to protect the social hierarchies and didn't matter if they had to lie, cheat, and steal to do it and kill, right? Whereas the left was, like, open to new information and willing to change society if it needed changing. So that's the very origin of this sort of distinction between the two. So new information meant, yeah, you can change how you think about the world and then make changes in the world based on that. And you don't have to obey tradition just because it's tradition, Oh, man, I, I'm getting all kinds of texts. People want you to come back. Do you have time for one more segment with us? Because I got a couple of callers on hold, if that's okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, oh, I'm so glad because uh, 
I know folks are hanging on to every word. We are talking to Dr. Barry Maurer, the author of Deadly Delusions, Right Wing Death Cult. You can find that where books are available, uh, including the one I was talking about earlier about how we don't need more billionaires, but you can go to that one. <laughs> Let's take a quick break here. Yeah. You're listening at WCPT 820 Heartland Signal in Chicago. And hi to our friends listening in Minneapolis, St. Paul on KTNF 950 AM. More after this. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Buy yours at Beer on Central in Evanston, D&D Finer Foods in Evanston, Rogers Park Provisions, Provisions Uptown, and Beer Shop Oak part must be 21 please drink responsibly patty vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278 driving it home with patty vasquez now on wcpt 820 i have uh, been catching up on some of the texts that we've gotten and we already have requests for dr barry mauer to join us again he is the author of deadly delusions right wing death cult available uh where you buy books and you know the place <laughs> uh dr, uh, dr. mauer huh Sadly. Yeah. Only, on Amazon. only on Amazon. Okay, so it's only on Amazon. But, uh, but, but hey. If you find me online, I'll send you a free one. Oh. Uh, by PDF, PDF free one. But, there there yeah. you go. But if you want the paperback, you can go to Amazon and pick up his book. And it's got, he also, you also incorporate cartoons, which I want to find out more about next time because uh, I know some of my listeners want to join the conversation. Let's go to Diane uh, in Chicago. Hey, Diane, what's on your mind? You're on with Professor Maurer. Hi, real quick, because we're running out of time. Really intense, great show today, Patty. Oh, thank you. Um, I want to touch on uh, the Christian national movement and the evangelical um, megachurches. Isn't that a mass delusion? And then there's this. Uh, I got this from PRX NPR. All right, reveal. They did a deep dive into the Russian imperial movement, which is the Russian um, Catherine the Great Christian Orthodoxy. It's the only religion that Putin accepts in his country. He has merged his his version of Christianity with the megachurches. All right, there's a, um, a a new documentary out. I want to say this real quick. Um, but put out by Rob Reiner and his wife. It's called God and Country. It's in the theaters now, and then it'll go on screen, streaming. They really do a deep dive into the Christian uh, national movement in this country. Oh, thank and you. I know you. I, I know Thank you're not you very versed in this because this isn't your field of expertise, but uh, give the movie a check out when you can. All right, it's being Thank released you. in theaters now. Thank you, Dan. All right, I've heard I've heard um, Rob Reiner on two different satellite radio stations talking about it, and he really does. Uh, there's an author who put out a book. I can't remember her name. But he based it on that, and they really researched it, and they really worked on this documentary. So I su- suggest everybody who's in listening range uh, to view it, and Excellent. we can all learn something. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate yeah. that. Be well. Yeah, yeah that's, that's you're welcome. That's wild. So just just quickly, let me throw out uh-huh. 
you know, we, we get caught up on individual delusions like the earth is flat and stuff like that. But there's really three major ones that we have to be concerned about. And they're kind of what I would call meta delusions. Uh, they are in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual as, uh, you know, the listed types of delusions. And, and one is grandiosity. So if you break it down, that, that means basically that you believe that you're superior to other people. Um, you know, it could mean that you think you are Jesus, or it could mean you think you have a special relationship with Jesus that makes you somehow more special and more deserving of rights or maybe more liberated from responsibilities as the next person. Um, the, beyond uh, grandiosity, there's uh, persecution. So that's the belief that um, I'm being unfairly targeted, particularly by people who are inferior to me. And you see this a lot with Trump followers arguing that Trump is being persecuted, and he argues that himself, of course, and that he is superior and shouldn't be per persecuted. Um, and then last is delusion of uh, erotomania, which is the belief that, you know, the leader uh, somehow loves you. And when you combine these three delusions, it's particularly powerful and dangerous. And those can exist in many forms. Religion is only one of the forms in which they can exist. They can exist in politics. They can exist even in, uh, you know, self-help or any number of arenas. So when you see those three, that's a very good sign that something's very wrong. Oof. I appreciate all of that. And uh, again, we've been talking to Dr. Uh, Barry Maurer, the author of Deadly Delusions, Right Wing Death Cult. You can find that book on Amazon and you can also reach out uh, possibly for a PDF. And I know we're going to have you back. So uh, I am grateful for your time, for your insight, because uh, there's, there's, there's so much I want to talk about. I, I have more. Listeners have more. So I'm sorry to our listeners who we couldn't get to because uh, we have to wrap up. I was uh, told earlier that uh, I need to make sure that I, I'm watching my clock better. So I'm trying. I'm trying, Paul. <laughs> yeah. um, Dr. Maurer, I wish you the very best evening, and uh, we look forward to talking to you in a few weeks. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience uh, to maybe direct them to any websites or anything else before we go? Um, yeah, I would like to direct them to uh, a group that I'm in called CIRCE, um, the Cognitive Immunology Research Collaborative. Um, it's not expressly a political group at all. It's just about how to educate and train yourself to be a better thinker. And there's a part of that that's split off called um, the Mental Immunity Project, where you can check out how mental immunity works and improve your own. Excellent. That's Cersei. Excellent. We'll talk to you again soon. Have a wonderful evening. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Mike Cruz yeah. up next. Devil's Advocate. Thank you, Paul.